Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live.
Well, welcome everybody. It's Off Road Live. We're doing our uh, pre-show interview with one of our uh, guests for this afternoon. Uh, Perry McNeil's on the line. How are you, Perry? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, so uh, today is Monday, November the 23rd, a couple of days after the uh, Desert Off-Road Race, the Baja 1000. Um, and, of course, Perry, uh, you were driving in your 40th? Yeah, the 40th Baja 1000. I'm a novice. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, folks, this is uh, King of Baja, Perry McNeil, uh, and, and I'm your humble host, uh, Monster Mike. Uh, we'll do this interview and talk about the Baja 1000. And if you haven't gotten to know Perry yet, uh, Perry is um, one of the greatest desert off-road racers uh, uh, this West Coast sport has ever seen uh, and ever will see. I think with your experience background in Mexico and the United States, you're really unique, Perry, in, in uh, what you're providing as, as far as information to our show. So we greatly appreciate your help. Um, well, let's. I think now we've talked all about the pre-running. We've talked all about you know essentially um, you know who you are and, and the whole thing. Why don't you walk through for our uh, our audience? You know, tell us about what what your driving experience was like um, this year, and then you know we'll we can get to uh, Mark's experience if he wants to come on. But I'd really like to hear the details of what what happened to you out out there, and where did you pick up the car, and where'd you finish? Um, well, I finished the car to, in, in Ensenada, but uh, I picked it up at Catalina. Um, we uh, the night before. We had a well, actually, the day before we were putting the car through contingency, and the motor started knocking really bad and seized up on us. So it was brand spanking new Porsche motor that we had on the car. And uh, anyway, it uh, it took a dump on us. I mean, in contingency, where you're just idling through contingency, and something happened. But anyway, so some debris or something got in, in the in the bearings or something and, and seized the motor. So we were out of a motor, but they had another motor out of a different class, a 516 car, back at the shop. So we proceeded to get go get pick that motor up. And, and uh, okay, hold on, let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, you're a contingency, and the thing seizes, so you just push it all the way through the rest of contingency, right? Right, exactly. Okay, and then uh, uh, you're in Ensenada, but you're what 90 miles away from Tijuana, where the engine is. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so we, uh, Okay, so then, so what happened all night long? You guys put the motor in. So anyway, we it was already way after night, like nine ten o'clock night, when we decided to, to get the motor and put it in there. So we uh, sent off the motor to and sent out to Tijuana while we were pulling the motor, the other motor off, you know. And they, uh, they had a big, big, real nice Porsche motor that, in that car that runs real, real strong, you know. And they had a little. A little sixteen hundred one back there. And I said, "Hey, it's just, just give me something I can get around the course with, and we can probably still take this race." And they were they were real negative about it. Didn't want to really do it. And I said, but uh, and I said, hey, I said, "We'll we'll we'll take all the beating, and we'll be up all night doing it." I said, "But I'm willing to to do that." So anyway, we we got uh, got the motor out, and and by like seven o'clock morning, we got we got back with the other motor, and we put it in, and it was a Volkswagen motor where the Porsche motor it was, so nothing matched up our throttle cables and the, the air intake, um, the way it's set up, and all the the Porsche was a dry sump motor, and this was this other one was not. And 
we just plowed the glory, but we made like 50 trips to AutoZone to buy hoses and wiring and and stuff, you know. Anyway, we got it, we got all put back together. The race started like 11 o'clock in the morning, and we're still working at 12 o'clock on the on the on the um, the car because we we had like an hour and a half after the first pony took off for us to get there, getting in starting line. So we just barely got there with like five minutes to spare after working like four or five guys on this car all night and all day and, and funny to stop like noon and went and got in line took off and never really had any motor issues at all and it was underpowered but um and so on takeoff a couple of cars got by my son my, my son started uh, mark he started racing he started the race and uh and there's straightaways that the, the other cars were actually able to catch up to him and pass him but uh he passed in the past back once he once he got in the in the uh, technical stuff or whatever he was able to get past him. I was waiting for him in Santo Tomas. In Santo Tomas, he was uh, he came in 18 minutes in front of all the, the class, which I thought would be the other way around. Yeah, but uh, he did a real good job. And then he took it all the way down to uh, Catalina, where I got in the car, and uh, but uh, which that was like mile 350 something like that. What time? And, uh, uh, probably about two o'clock in the morning. Yep. Because we had to push it into going to Baja uh, into BF uh, BF to BFGPS, and they weld on it for like an hour, an hour and a half. The whole back of the the car was breaking off. Motor transmission you, you couldn't shift anymore because the, the shifter was was uh, was uh, cattywampus because the transmission motor was, was literally falling out of the car. You know, so we had to turn it back into shape and. They did a really good job welding. They welded for like an hour and a half on that car, and I uh, got it all back together. And, and I got in and took off. And um, early in the day, uh, Mark had gotten stuck in in the silt bed and messed up. It broke the reverse. So I was real hesitant to to take my 500 miles with, without reverse, because somewhere along the line you're going to miss a turn or or whatever and have to put it in reverse to back up. You know. And I so I put I put two sleeping bags in the car because I figured we would we would probably be using them for sure in the night there somewhere you know because you know come to a point where you slide off a road or or up against the cactus or whatever there's you have to have reverse you know so and so I uh, I'm real hesitant about taking the um, trying to race the last 500 miles with, with no reverse but uh, I just made double sure that I never had to put it in reverse there's only one time that I had to drive up over a big rock to to get out of where I was, I didn't have reverse and out of, out of you know, 500 miles. But anyway, so we ended up, uh, um, uh, we lost uh, a couple hours in the silt bed that when Mark got stuck and then an hour and a half were welding on a car. And then later on, I, uh, uh, we broke a spindle. It took another hour to replace that. So we were lucky to, lucky to finish because uh, especially we ended up second place and we were lucky to even be able to pull, pull that off with, uh, with the, uh, but we're just kind of the survival of the fittest. The guy that uh, that won, which is Victor Sasenia from La Paz, and Gerardo um, Iribe from um, Works of King, they ended up uh, beating us by like an hour or two or something. You know, but they had no downtime at all. They just uh, no flats, no downtime, no nothing the whole race. You know, so he, yeah, and, and uh, that's and that's an established, respected racing team from Baja South. So we'll tip our yeah. hat to them. But let's let's talk more about your race. Uh, so where did you get the? Where did you do the reverse work at? 
the uh, what, 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 what yeah I, yeah where did you where did you fix reverse at? Oh, we never did. We never had reverse. That's why I say I had to drive super careful, make sure I didn't come flying over and uh, jump into a bunch of cactus or something, with something that they they couldn't back out over, and especially get stuck. When you get stuck, you have to have reverse to get out. You know, when frontwards and backwards, and frontwards and backwards, or something. You know. So I was real cautious the whole my whole fight my five hundred miles. Um, I was just cautious I possibly make sure that I would never be in a situation where I had to put a reverse. I had no reverse at all. It was it was gear was broken in two, you know, so how about the spindle? Sure. Where did where did you do the spindle work? At the end of Diablo Dry Lake, coming out to the highway there at San Matias. Oh yeah, we yeah. Got yeah. There and there came a point in time and I told the the head mechanic that was chasing us, I said, Hey, I says uh, there's, I don't know what's wrong with the with the rack and pinion. I said, but I can't steer this thing. There's, there's, I can't turn left or right very sharp. I can do maybe 15, 20 degrees uh, turning radius, but I should do 45. I can only do like 15. I said, I don't know what's, what's happening. And I said, son of a gun, you just barely made it. Here. It's, uh, the uh, spindle is it's all but ready to fall off. You know, I think I've been doing 70, 80 miles an hour through that uh, to a, a telephone pole like um Oh, 50 telephone poles you have to go through where you go right to the middle of two of them that are, you know, in the stand, you know. And I would, uh, you know, I'm going through it at 70, 80 miles an hour and I'm not settled again. That's, were, that's you, were, were you able to do any of the any of the work on the reverse at that time? No, I'm not decided transmission. Yeah, that's, that's major. Unless you have to have the parts and pieces and and it's a Volkswagen motor. I mean, transmission, so it's not, uh, no, there's no way you fix that on, on, on the fly. You would never... You can never fix that. You swap out transmissions, maybe, but never, never fix it on the fly. Those those transmissions have a special jig that you set the the whole transmission up in the jig, and you slide it into the house when you're out there. So it's, it's something that you don't, you don't do it on the fly. I have a nine old transmission. I've I've built um, hundred transmissions probably in my life, but you have to have a special jig and stuff to do it in the in in the shop. You know, you can't. Uh, you, the other way shifting would there be right on, on the other four gears if you didn't have right. that, that gig. Right. So. Clear on that. All right. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I think we talked about prior to um, the race and we talked about in some of your uh, uh, pre-running interviews was that you said that if if uh, you ran this race and you didn't get stuck, you had a chance of winning. Yeah, that's what I told Amigo Tech because I said they were they're kind of dragging their feet as to as to whether or not go get that motor and go through the whole hassle. I say, you just give me just give me a motor that'll get me around the race course, and, and I think we can take this thing. You know, it is a small motor. I said because those silt beds are they're unforgiving. And I said I don't. And I, I told him I says whoever doesn't get stuck in this race is going to win the race, and I am not going to get stuck in this race in the in the, in the in the in the race. I said so I'm going to win this race. You know, kind of. Kiddingly, you know, but uh, and that was kind of what uh, what I told him, uh, and that's what ended up being the the um, the finishing factor was the fact that Sasenia, uh, and there's a lot of silt beds down south, so he probably knows how to negotiate silt beds. You know, yeah, he, the, he sure does. In the in the pre in the pre run uh, interview, I said, you know, I have the utmost respect for pit bulls, Dobermans, and uh, and silt beds. I stay the hell away from you know type of deal. And I did. I stayed away from all the silt beds. Never got never gotten in trouble at all in silt beds down there. And they were they were they were horrendous on the pre run. They were just crazy on the pre run. And then uh, so they were a lot worse in the race, you know, by far. You know, but um, now did now did your chase truck get get stuck and you had to go pull him out? 
Um, yeah, but that was uh, they just they were going into to, to uh, certain pits pit uh, place where they actually had to go on the race course for <laughs> hundred yards, and they they got stuck. Right, and, and they got stuck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, so what do you? Hey Perry, what do you do with a with a the uh, race rig that you had that is not four wheel drive, and you start feeling uh, loose sand or silt? What do you do? Start praying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just uh, like I said, you just have to. Like, like I told Mark before the race, I said, "Hey, it's just, just stay the hell away from them. Go up on the mountain, go to the cactus, go wherever, but just stay away." And actually, when he when he got stuck, he uh, was actually going around the silt bed, but that little car is so light, he was going over. He's going over some some big uh, some big bushes, and the bushes actually picked the car up off the ground pretty much like a hoist, and so he had no traction. So he was never really, he wasn't stuck in the silt. He was stuck in going around the silt bed, you know, which uh, I went in to pull him out. He'd, find, he'd gotten out like half an hour before I got there, but I went clear into the place they call Cuatro Casas. Four Houses is the name of the place. There's been four houses there for years and years. There's more now, but that's uh, that's where I got his name from. But uh, anyway, and he was like 100 yards from them in the silt bed. That uh, uh, When I got there, it was, oh, it was probably still 15, 20 cars stuck. I pulled a half a dozen of them out, and I finally had to leave it, and they're all just begging me to please, please pull an extra car. I said, I got a race to run. I got, I got to get this race car in. In a, in a couple hours, I got to be in, in the race car. I said, and I'm far from where I'm supposed to be. You know? so well, what, I half, now, I do, now, I have an honest question here, okay, Perry? If you uh-huh. had, if now, in, in your rig, you have improvements which make your vehicle a different class of vehicle. Would you have driven? Is, is it crazy to to attempt to do a class eleven in this on this race course? Yeah, those most of the cars car I pull out are class elevens. They're all stuck in that silt bed, and and you know they had their run little. I mean, the toy trucks, the first five toy trucks that came into this silt bed where my son got uh, was going around the silt bed and got stuck. The first five toy trucks came and all got stuck. They're all side <laughs> by side, <laughs> and. Uh, because they just it was just horrendous how bad they were because they weren't they weren't in fact the silt beds that, that where my son got stuck and where these trolley trucks got stuck they were hardly even there last week you know the 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 worst ones the worst ones I, I thought were the worst was down in my section down down uh, past Catalina and those weren't that bad because people knew they were there and I guess they kind of worked their way around them or something because they probably got stuck during the during the free run but these. Um, these here at, at Cuatro Casas, they were they were not there. My son just was blown away when he got there, and and how bad they were when he when he finally got there. So the pre runners uh, chewed it up a lot, and then the racers you know finished it off. You know, but yeah, the silt you could walk along. Is this weird? You can walk through silt like you're walking through water, knee deep. You just walk like there's nothing there. It's so weird. It's, uh, people have never seen silt. We're just blown away that, that you can, you know, it's you know flour for example, flour is is, is is real fine and soft or whatever, but you know if you have a five gallon can of, of flour, you can't push your hand to the bottom of the of the uh, can. It's going to pack. You know, as soon as you you, you st- push your hand in on it, for example, you know, just give an idea of what silt is. You know, people have no idea. You know, but if you have no, a five the, gallon the, can of silt, no, the soil actually gets to a, a consistency of talcum powder, and yeah. uh, uh, in, uh, elsewhere in North uh, outside of North America, it's called fash fash. If you uh, if you're in South America or if you're in um, uh, Africa, they call it fesh fesh. Okay, and and even talcum powder powder is moist, you know, so you, it it packs also. 
but this this silt is weird stuff. And I say you can you can just walk through it like it's water, and you can't you can't dig all you can't pull it away from your your tire to put it you know because you pull it and from ten feet away it runs back in the under. you can't you cannot it's it's that's why I have the utmost respect for a silt bed. If you get stuck, automatically you'll be there for at least an hour. There's just no well, way you can get out of that silt bed within the hour. They, and they they also have um, uh, big rocks in them that if you hit, I think one of the one of the reports that we got uh, during the race was that one of the trophy trucks went into a silt bed and broke, busted their uh, um, their rim uh, on a rock in a in a silt bed. Yeah, cause you don't see it. You don't see it. And you come in at you know thirty, forty, fifty miles an eighty miles an hour. The, the guys, the kids that were there. I struck up a conversation because after they'd seen my car, you know, the little Mexican kids were helping people out, and they said, "Hey, yeah, a couple of little gringos that spoke real good Spanish." I said, "Yeah, those are my sons, you know." And so, yeah, they were right here, right here where I was. Where I'd stop. That's where they were stuck, you know. He said, "Right here on those bushes, right there, where they were stuck, you know, for almost two hours, you know." And anyway, they says uh, we got to talk to them, and they said, "Dang, this silk bed's really bad." He said, "Yeah, one of the first bikes that came through just thought, yeah, you know how you some of these guys will." actually pick their the bikes up in water and, and kind of go across water on the back wheel. And he says, and this guy's just kind of like, he's just going to plow through this silt, you know? So he kind of picked up the front of the tire and went into that silt, and he says, and went end over end. And he says, and he ended up rolling like 10, 15 feet past the, the, where he ended. And he got up and couldn't find a freaking motorcycle. <laughs> and they, 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 they say, hey, we're motorcycle. He really thought the kid had stolen his freaking bike. He said, the, bike, the bike's gone. He went on a motorcycle. He says, uh, and he said, I passed out or I don't know what he was thinking in his mind, but how the, how fast did it, that happen? He couldn't find a motorcycle, you know? And the kids told me, it's got to be right here somewhere. This, this way he hit the sail, you know? So and sure enough, the, they went over there and, and started walking through the sail with their, you know, just walking through there with their, like walking through water and pulled up the bike and the bike, the, the guy helped, they helped him pull it out of the sail and start it up and he took off again. But he couldn't even find it. The sail was slow, he couldn't find the bike, you know? It just blew, blew me away. And it was, it was really bad. I just, uh, I was really taken to how how um, that had gotten churned up. Where where I went and I was pulling all these Baja bugs out. That I mean, they were up to the, the middle of the hood in in silt. You know, that they came into which I don't know. I mean, especially the Baja, you think they'd, they'd find a place to get around. It was class 11s, you know. But there was like three or four or five class 11s all right there stuck. And I pulled half a dozen out there, begging me to please pull them past the silt. As I said, I can't, you know. Like some of the guys, they said, "Okay, so now it's my turn." I said, "I, I, I gotta call it quit somewhere. I can't keep on pulling all you guys out." You know, <laughs> pull, I'll pull one, out, pull one out. Two more to come get stuck. But I was pulling the first one out. You know, I thought. Well, more, remind oh, no. me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take an off-road tow truck down there to the next Baja 1000, make a fortune. Oh yeah, you know, if you charge the, each guy fifty bucks, on it, one guy says, "Please, I will pay you. Pull me all the way past the silt, but please, yes, I can't. I gotta get out of here." <laughs> but um, yeah, those poor, little, those little, poor guys. But yeah, don't you think it's, don't you think it's crazy? I mean, if somebody was was paying you to drive a class eleven in that event, would you would you just go? Don't do this. Um, no, I would I would love that. I would love that challenge, you know, because I like I say I've got the utmost respect for silt beds, and I I feel I was I was going to win this race by not getting stuck, you know, but we ended up getting stuck for two hours, so that, that was kind of that's where we went. We kind of went wrong, you know, but. Um, Plus, we had a lot, of, a lot of problems with it. We weren't anticipated at all. It's a good car, you know, but it was just, uh, um, I don't know, the spindle was put together wrong, that the broke it, or and same way at the back. It's just uh, the car's been around for 10 years, you know, so it's it's getting, it gets tired and it gets it gets weak and fatigued, you know, and you don't see the fatigue in the metal 
until it breaks, you know. And, and so, you know, this was a real rough course, a really super rough course. So, yeah, you know, let's the, talk more. Let's talk more about that, Perry. In your estimation, out of all the stuff you've driven, put it on a scale of let's say one to fifty, uh, one being the hardest ever. Well, uh, where 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 did this one set? The race itself. Yeah. The course. Um, the course. Um, I would probably. On a scale from one to fifty-one, well, one to ten, uh, one to ten. This is probably like an eight. It was, it was really, really bad. It was rough, but the rough was really super rough. Like there, from from Puerto Cidos to San Felipe, where we, we get off the highway, there, it's just crazy. I mean, it's it's been a race course now for fifty years, literally. It's yeah. been a race. So, course but but in your in your scale, ten is the hardest. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay, and so an eight is, is way up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, gotcha. it, was pretty, it was pretty bad. And maybe I say that because I had a lot of problems. Had, had I had no problems and just skipped through all that stuff like uh, Sasenia did, I'd probably say, yeah, piece of cake, you know. But, you know, when you when your car breaks up, breaks in two, and then your spindle breaks in two, uh, these are super, super heavy-duty spindles that are just, you know, you don't break these things, you know. But uh, it well, was let's a rough put course. A, let's pay, Perry, let's put a salute out to BFG Pits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did uh, it for us uh, probably eight times or something to give us gas each time. And, and then they, um, somehow or another, they got our number wrong. So when I, my son first pulled in the first BFG pit at Colonnette, he said, I need some gas. He says, sorry, you're not on the roster. You're 5'11", and we have 500. And he says, well, I know some, but they says, he says, well, Kevin Carr, oh, yeah, Kevin Carr, I'm here. But, so I had our number down wrong at, at BFG pits because we've, we've been the champions in this this class for like five years in a row, six years in a row. Why did and score so, give you a five eleven? Because we weren't the champions last year. We didn't race last year, and so. Oh wait a minute! Uh, you you were so you were the champions in thirteen, but not fourteen. Exactly. Uh, okay. Last year was uh, a car by the name of some, called Puma from Mexicali. He won the championship last year. We we ran a couple of races last year. I understood. And so. He, so he was 500 this year, and they just figured Kevin Carr, uh, just know his sixth year, whatever, has got 500. So he had that was 500, and our number was 511. So my son took off, and then he says, wait, wait, wait. He looked up on the map. He says, we can't make it to the next BFG pit. So he turned and came back. Hey, he says, I, I, I need gas. You know, he says, uh, he says um, under Kevin Carr. Went, oh, yeah, for sure, Kevin Carr, for sure, but no. Not car at five eleven. <laughs> How did this finally get resolved, Perry? Um, they, I'm sure they ran the BFG relay. Said, "Hey, five eleven is Kevin Carr, not five hundred. You know, so so they ended up uh, fitting for us the rest of the time. You know, but um, wait a minute, it, uh, wait a minute. Did did so you guys got turned down a Camelou? Uh huh. Colonnet. Uh huh. Or a Colonnet. Oh my! So BFG screwed up at at Colonnet. I don't know who. Where they they messed up the numbers themselves, you know how BFG ended up with a. But you know how you know how easy that is to figure out though. Yeah, you yeah. just radio to Central, and so yeah. that's that's disappointing. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry I even brought it up now. It was no big deal. We didn't lose. Mark said he said he might have lost five minutes or ten or something. He just, but he'd taken off. Where'd you get fuel? Well, then then he'd run out of fuel. Then we'd have been there for hours and hours and hours, you know. But uh, he just waited. Where'd you, five where'd you get Where'd you get fuel? No, we got fuel from them. They finally, he says, well, he told me it's Kevin Carr's uh, car, not, not... Oh, so uh, they whatever, did finally know. give you fuel. 
So they traced us down through Kevin Carr, not 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 through our number, you know. So they said, oh, "Okay, yeah, no no problem." So they filled him up, and, and then they they ran they ran uh, uh, that information, I guess, via the radios or whatever. And and so I never had a problem. I pulled in the BFG and they they you know fill me up right now and take off, you know. So no, they well, take my hat and, off. Well, and let me explain to the audience that you know there's a reason why some of these pits are particular about the details. They've had guys go through these pits claim that they're one person, they're somebody else, and get free stuff all the way to Cabo. Oh, yeah, yeah, they have to. <laughs> so that, you have to understand that they have to be particular. Yeah, and the fuel is $15 a gallon, you know, so, you know, I mean, if you're going to take on 40 gallons of gas at $15 a gallon, that's, you know, yeah. that's a lot of money right there, you know. So Well, Perry, only in desert off-road racing, and that's why it's so interesting because it's, the detail on this, you could spend 15 years on this and still not figure it out. All right, yeah. so uh, uh, you used those pits, you you got through it, you placed second. Uh, what's uh, has, has uh, the, the car crew let you know what they want to do for next year at all? Uh, no, I never discussed that. They, they, there's a race coming up, I guess in two weeks, someplace up north or something. Uh, they wanted. Uh, I'm not really sure where. Where there's a race coming up, you probably know on your agenda what's what's coming up, and, and they're thinking about maybe getting that ready to, the car again, ready to go race that. There, uh, they they got excited the fact that we could almost almost pulled it off with that little motor. You know, I said, "Dang!" It's just, uh, um, I even apologized yesterday because uh, when I got to to my shop, I had the motor in the back of my truck, so I called them and just to see if they wanted to bring the motor up here to the U.S. or leave it in Tijuana. And they said, "Yeah, just leave it there. We'll pick it up." And I so I apologize for being so stubborn and and making this happen. They said, "Oh no, no." I said, "We're we're glad you did. We didn't. Nobody, none of them had the balls or whatever to to step up the plate and do it, you know." And I and I, I even had to go over the guy's head that said no and talk to the hit the Bob Carr who was the head honcho, and he says, "Do it," you know. So once he said that, then 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 we we made it happen. But uh, they were all kind of dragging their feet because it's such a a big job, you know that. Uh, it's like putting a Ford motor in a Chevy, just about. It's four-shit at Volkswagen. There's, there's no way, you know. But, uh, but we made it happen. It took us probably 15 hours of swapping motors and stuff and getting all the, the little knickknacks. You know, most of the stuff on the dash didn't work anymore. The cages didn't match up and stuff, so we ran without cages. And, and without a radio, our radio never worked the whole race. I don't know if we just screwed something up, you know, what we were doing. But uh, the radio would put out but never receive. So it is... We're lucky that we're really lucky at the finish line without communication. Other than we had some some satellite phones that we rented before the uh, the race, and those got us out of hot water like maybe half a dozen times. Without them, we might still be down there, you know, having with with problems on the race course, you know. Well, thank goodness that uh, that you got those handhelds. Yeah, yeah, they they serve their purpose. That's good. It's a, it's, did, it's did a new item. Extra, did the extra antennas help out? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because otherwise with those, uh, handhelds, you can't be talking inside, inside the vehicle. You have to be outside the vehicle. Right. And, um, have like a 360 radius to the satellites, you know, to be able to talk, you know, so when you're inside the vehicle, there is no communication. So the, the antennas that they gave us, we're able to put them up on, out on top of the car and, and talk inside the car. So in fact, it's, it's, it's really, really, it's a must. Everybody had, we only rendered like three, three antennas, but we should have, uh, we should have got five antennas and five radios because um, when you're trying to call a person that has a radio in his car and uh, he's not going to hear you until he takes it out of the car. Well, sometimes they're on the road, sometimes they're 
sleeping and whatever, and the, and the radio's inside the vehicle, not outside, you know, so it's a, it's a must. You have to have that antenna uh, so you can put on the outside of your car just for people in the future who are not wanting to pay that extra money for the antenna. No, no, no. It's, it's just that, worth you, it, you know? yeah, uh, so uh, no matter what, even if somebody's going to be standing outside, you need to have the, the extra antenna just in case. Uh-huh. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, Perry, hey, listen, a great rundown, very interesting uh, desert off-road racing story from uh, Perry McNeil Racing. Uh, and uh, the king of Baja, Perry McNeil, has graced us with his time. Uh, listen, we'll let you go. Perry, uh, have a great day today. Thank you so much for your race report to Off-Road Live. Uh, the show will be live this afternoon, 4 p.m. West, 7 East, Off-Road Live, and your host, Monster Mike and the Baja Crew, Perry McNeil, thanks very much. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for having me on the show, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Take care, bro. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.